0: Uh, check out their website, NPTEFF.com, and use the code HET at checkout for 10% off to all of our listeners and fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field, uh, and I've got with me a new friend and colleague, Dr. Mariana Wingood. Mariana, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate uh, you educating our audience today on all things falls prevention and uh the geriatric population. Tell us a little bit about your educational background, how it led you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to share some information regarding the falls, um, how I got where I am today. Um, You know, I feel like you always expect life to have a straight trajectory, but that's not really what happens ever. So I went to PT school at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, And I graduated there in, uh, let me think about that for a second, 2012. Yes, 10 years ago. Um, And after that, uh, my goal was to be a full-time clinician, work in an inpatient acute rehab setting um, with older adults. I've always wanted to focus on older adults. Um, primarily because I was partially raised by my grandmother, and I never got to thank her. So I felt that working with older adults was my way of thanking them. And I just love their stories. I love what they teach me. There's not a day that doesn't go by where I don't learn something new from my patients. So I worked in clinical practice full time. For about seven years. However, during my first year of my clinical practice, I took the CWAA courses uh, through APTA geriatrics. And I learned a new revelation to me, and it was a little shocking. I learned the amount of people that didn't know what a Berg balance scale is, which to me was entry-level education, and I was just so shocked and a little bit disappointed in uh, my peers and our profession in a way that this wasn't common knowledge. Um, So I wanted to change that. So I was already pretty involved with uh, APTA Geriatrics, but I wanted to be involved more because I really wanted to elevate our current practice. So I started teaching some CEU courses and being involved with other things. Um, And then I decided at a balance and fall special interest group meeting, um, Mindy Ranthro was the chair at that time, um, asked if anyone was interested and had experience in research and wanted to be part of Jerry Edge, which uh, conducts systematic reviews or scoping reviews of outcome measures and provide guidance to clinicians. So no one raised their hand in the room. So I raised my hand and I said, I have absolutely no experience. I just graduated, but I would love to help. Um, And she kindly took me under her wing and I slowly with her guidance and mentorship as well as mentorship from Michelle Lussardi got more and more involved with Balance and Falls. And then I ended up becoming the chair until 2019, 18, 18 when I decided that what I was doing wasn't changing clinical practice and I decided to go get my PhD um, and focus more on how can I evaluate PT settings? How can I implement change in clinical practice? And I am currently a postdoc at the VA in Boston and finishing that and slowly transitioning to a more full-time research role. Um, The great thing about being a researcher at the VA is that you'd still get one day a week of clinical care, which is exactly what I want because I wanna always be involved in the clinic um, and not be separated from that. That's kind of my unstraight trajectory to where I've gotten today.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we notice a common theme on this show. You know, people do think it's going to go straight and narrow, but for the most part, it doesn't. I mean, you hit a lot of good points there, right? I mean, I was an English major uh, before I was a PT, and then I thought I was going to be an outpatient ortho bro for life and treat, you know, for the New York Mets, my favorite team, I was going to be their PT for life. That was my dream job, right? And then life threw me some curves and things changed. And I ended up in a sniff and home health. And all of a sudden I found the same thing you did. I really liked working with geriatrics, mostly because of what I get out of it every time I treat one of them. Like I'm learning something new. I'm hearing their life stories. You know, I'm learning lessons uh, a lot about regret and and just, you know, things they wish they had done as opposed to things they accomplished. Uh, So that's always become a very big and major theme for me and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And now I, I teach geriatrics, right. And, and so it's, it's uh, kind of coming around full circle. It's been, it's been really interesting and eye opening to me how, how easy it is to fall in love with that population. And it's, I think it's surprising, you know, a lot of times you go into PT school, maybe with an idea of what you want to do or a population want to work with or a setting. Um, I, I had what I thought was my dream job and it just, it, it changed drastically as life went on, you know, and, uh, All for the better, I would say, you know, I've been, I've been extremely happy, but yeah, I I think, you know, a lot of times we almost take for granted things like the Berg balance test and things that we just, you know, work with on a daily basis, uh, but really should probably be common practice entry level, like you said. And, and, you know, that's kind of what part of my dissertation was, was like, you know, I, I, did a dissertation on service-based learning right i feel like it's a great fit for physical therapy right like i could teach you the berg balance on a powerpoint in the class or we could go out and do a service project in the community and do a screening for balance and falls right and i could teach you the berg balance there you know it is mind-blowing that that you know not enough people know that so it, again it, it's a good starting point you know you think all right this is great i'm going to do this i'm going to change the world and all of a sudden it didn't get the impact you wanted yeah now you got to go bigger right you got to swing yeah. to the fences so why not just add a PhD in right? So uh, that that becomes the next step, right? Congratulations on that, by the way. Tons of uh, awards and accolades uh, due to the research, and now you're just gonna you know do even more great things in the world of research. So uh, I'm excited to you know collaborate with you eventually. I think this will be a, a fun journey. I can't wait to see what you do. But let's get into it. Let's dive into the nuts and bolts of today's episode here. Let's talk about falls prevention and why it is so important these days.
1: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, we know that uh, falls and fall related injuries are pretty common among older adults, particularly the ones we see in clinic. Um, And I just want to highlight that falls is not part of aging, but it does occur. And it has many negative effects on both functional independence, quality of life, increased morbidity, mortality, and health-related costs Um, So there's really multiple reasons why it is important. And to me, the number one reason is um, when I work with older adults, I kind of implement the age-friendly healthcare, the four M's. And one of the main M's is what matters, what matters to the older adult. And most of the time when I ask that question to my patients, it's staying functionally independent, Being able to age in their place, in their home. um, And both of those pieces require the prevention of falls. So that's really why it's critical that we incorporate it into our clinical practice.
0: Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to fall, right? Nobody wants to break anything. You know, breaks lead to bad hospitalizations at times, which can lead to bad outcomes. We want to avoid that if we can, right? At, At all costs. Uh, and And the cool thing is the more we learn and and the better the technology gets and and you know, the more we really study this stuff, the better we become at preventing these things. you know, so what are some resources out there that that you recommend for somebody who may be just treating an outpatient and and doesn't always see geriatric patients, but you know, may may see a couple here and there. What are some things that could get them introduced to and and learn about for false prevention?
1: Oh, there are so many great resources. Um, actually, just, Earlier last month, um, which, by the way, September is Fall Prevention Awareness Month, The uh, there's World Go- Guidelines published, a uh, global initiative, um, and uh, there's a great paper that does an absolutely amazing job summarizing all the evidence and recommendations for assessment and uh, interprofessional approaches or multifactorial interventions and how to manage patients who are at increased risk for falls. And that paper is titled uh, World Guidelines for Falls Prevention and Management for Older Adults, a Global Initiative. So that's a great way to start. APTA Geriatrics also has a ton of resources. Um, If you're a APTA Geriatric member, the special interest group balance and fall uh, prevention is free to join and they are constantly doing great stuff there. Uh, They do a monthly challenge where every month they send out on the beginning of month a clinical pearls kind of of the month, which are great. Um, and then some work that has come out of there is uh, through Jerry Edge um, and, oh gosh, what year was it? Oh, 2017, we published a systematic review and meta-analysis of outcome measures that are recommended for physical therapists to use in um, identifying someone at increased risk for falls. And the great thing is that in 2022 and the global initiatives, those same tools were recommended. Um So even though it's a little older, it um, is still appropriate. Um, And then the management of falls in community dwelling older adult clinical guidance statement from the Academy of Geriatric Physical Therapy is also a great paper. And those three papers will really kind of catch you up on what the research has been saying. Um, So those are my top recommendations regarding reading um, there's also courses, if you would like. MedBridge has some courses. And then the exercise or exercise evidence in motion, the other EIM, not exercises medicine, evidence in motion has some courses. And APTA Geriatrics has just launched a, a credentialing course similar to the CEEAA but for balance and falls. So that's another option for clinicians if they're interested. So a variety of learning methods, may you like reading, course attendance, or watching lectures in your home yeah. um, is a great way to go about it.
0: That's awesome. I didn't even know about that new course uh, on, the, on the balance and falls. And, and uh, just a quick shout out to AP, APTA Geriatrics is free to student members of the APTA. So if you're a student member of the APTA, sign up for the geriatrics section there because it's free. Great learning resource, tons of tons of good stuff on there, great information, and more than anything, great contacts and networking. Uh, The people in that geriatrics uh, section are amazing. Uh, Really, really great to work with over the last couple of years. So I strongly recommend it for our, our student listeners out there. But Mariana, tell us a little bit now, speaking of students, how do we educate uh, let's take let's take it kind of from a two two angle perspective. How do we educate in the world of academia? Let's say students and and maybe some of our colleagues on balance and falls prevention. What are some things we really have to work on with education there? And then the other side of the coin, how do we educate our patients?
1: I think students versus clinicians is slightly different. Um, I think no matter what, we have learned that active and hands on learning is the best way to go, and. Actually, um, side note, conferences such as CSM are trying to get more hands-on learning into their courses because of that. But it is challenging, particularly in a clinical setting where it's hard to attend courses and do things like that. In uh, education for students, it's a little easier because students are coming to us for the most part, even in hybrid programs. And having hands-on time with older adults is really the key for that, for students particularly. Because the other thing that we kind of, you know, we see a specific population a lot of times in clinic. Who comes to PT among older adults? It's usually the ones that are struggling with mobility or falls already, but there's a large population of individuals who haven't had a fall yet. A lot of times that's the population that would benefit from the most education. Um, so how do we reach that population? And I know I'm slightly connecting all three themes. Yeah, no, but, that's great. Um, a great thing to do is uh, go into the community, doing community screens, both as a student and as a clinician, um, as a student, it's great experience. And as a clinician, it's a great way to promote physical therapy and potentially your practice as well and doing screenings and uh, educating people of what they can do to prevent falls down the line. Um, I mean, you can do something simple such as the CDC study, which doesn't take that long, five uh, max, 10 minutes to administer. And it provides a lot of information for both as a clinician to what you're seeing mobility wise, but also for the patient. And we have found that those community screenings lead to change. Um, lead to uh, community-dwelling older adults deciding that they're going to address some of those risk factors. And we did publish a paper on that a few years ago. And it's also been found that that population is more likely than to have a conversation with their primary care provider about their fall risk, which also educates the primary care provider.
0: I was going to say, that's not really something we talk about that much, but you know, the primary care Physicians don't always have the time to get into depth in that stuff, not that they don't know about it, but it's just like they have so much other stuff to manage. That's like, uh, you know, all right. Yeah, I understand you might have these concerns, but I just don't know if I have the time for that. Right. Which is where we come in, I think. Right. We're the perfect ones to help with that. So, uh, you know, and then, like you said, them going to the PCP and having those conversations at least opens it up and makes them realize, oh, good. You're talking about it with your PT. You can go to them for treatment and, and help. And, you know, if I have questions, I can just call the PT and kind of get on the horn with them. So. Yeah. yeah, that's great advocacy. Yeah.
1: Um so I think I answered your question yeah. partially. Yeah. No, um, no,
0: absolutely. That was great. Let's talk about this over the over time now you've had, you know, years of experience in the, in the field with geriatric population and balance and falls prevention. Uh, what are some tips or tricks or pointers or things that you just like to do that, uh, you know, you wish more people knew about or or that could be helpful to new clinicians or new grads or or people, even professors that are not in the geriatric world? What are some things you'd like them to know? What's helpful?
1: Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> There's so many pieces to it. Um, I think one thing that's finally getting more attention um, is floor transfers. Everyone should yes. be able to get up off the floor. Um, Especially if they're at increased risk for having a fall, um, of course, first thing you do is assess if you have an injury and you educate the patient that they should have a phone nearby that they can somehow reach or a lifeline um, if they are injured, but if not, they should be able to get up off the floor. So doing and there's standardized testing for uh, time to getting on and off the floor, um, doing that in your assessment, as well as incorporating that into the intervention. That's, so that's number one. The other uh, piece, I would say, um, is task specificity. For a while, we were doing a lot of dual tasking, um, you know, and some of those pieces are great, like walking and tossing a ball. But it's not really specific to what the older adult is doing at home. So increasing specificity of what the older adult is doing in clinic to simulate what their balance challenges are at home or in the community is really critical. Um, and I have done, I, and I do, a lot of PT sessions outdoors Um, Even if I'm in an inpatient or outpatient clinic, I will do those sessions outside and find those surroundings and environments that's really challenging for my patient. Um, So those are probably the top two things I would recommend and letting the patient fail at the balance activity and not immediately grabbing that gait belt, seeing will they initiate a stepping strategy? strategy? Can they recover individually? Because we all stumble, um, most of us fall, um, and it's that's not the danger. The danger occurs after what um, the consequences of that fall and a stumble.
0: Yeah, I love that. I was just talking to my lab assist this last weekend about that. We do a lot of training on uh, how to fall safely, then how to get up off the floor. We teach our students, you know, how to educate their patients on how to get up off the floor. Um, and then uh, we talked a little bit about technology and wearables and how like the Apple watch and stuff can sense a fall and call somebody if needed and stuff. So Some really good advancements there. Um, you know, I, I, I tell a story all the time about a patient of mine that had fallen between the bed and the wall and she couldn't get out mm-hmm. and her husband had just had a knee replacement. So he's stuck on the couch and he can't get up to help her you know, both of their phones had died at that point. She was between the bed and it was two days before the home health nurse was wow. able to get there and find her. And it was a, uh, what a disaster. Yeah. Um, but you know, Unfortunately
1: that- that's not too uncommon. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of situations similar to that. And yeah, technology is great. I mean, my Garmin watch even has an incident detector and I primarily have it. If I get hit, unfortunately on my bike by a car, mm-hmm. which is a common occurrence Anytime your body stops rapidly, it detects an incident um, and mine is set up to call my husband. Um, I have 15 seconds to cancel it. But yeah, technology has really gotten to the point where it can be helpful. Um, now we just need to make it affordable. Yeah. Um, is really the next step. For sure. Uh, but Yeah.
0: Well, Mariana, thank you so much for coming on and for just kind of educating our audience on on all things balance and falls prevention and and for bringing your expertise to the table. Uh, We have one final question that we like to ask all of our guests. And that question is, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change? How would you change it? And why would you change it?
1: That's a great question. Um, As someone who focuses a lot of their research on primary prevention, um and dreams of a world where physical therapists and healthcare are set up for primary prevention preventing things before they even occur i think changing the entire healthcare education system as well to focus more on primary prevention and how as pt's we can prevent things so not just falls so many other aspects related to things that we see down the line um but if we could prevent it to begin with i think that's that's the route I would go um, of changing the education system. Um, It's kind of a trickling up, change the education system and change clinical practice. Of course, policies have to change as well, but that is That is my direction. I would love to see the world go.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Treating higher up the stream before they get the diagnoses and before they fall into the bad habits. This way we don't have to treat those bad habits. You know, there's a crew that's been working with that stuff for years. Mike Eisenhart has been beating that drum and uh, Don Magnuson and Todd Davenport and a lot of a lot of the great folks out there, you know, who've been on the show before it's 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 almost like we're getting to the point of like a broken record it's like hey is anybody listening here if we treat further up the stream and and make sure that health is is taken seriously up here then by the time you know we get down the stream and we are older we won't have all these underlying comorbidities and things we have to treat and you know hopefully we won't need to keep throwing meds at people for for things that could have been prevented right so prevention needs to be you know taken a little more seriously. I think the the problem we run into as of now, like you said, without the policy change stuff is, you know, we're trying to convince insurance companies that what we implemented prevented something from happening. So it never happened. So it's hard for them to see that what we did worked, you know, it's going to take a lot of really smart people to, to crunch the data and show that like, hey, you know, populations got better if we implemented our system, you know, and that's going to save you money in the long run.
1: Right. Uh, I mean, please. falls itself has decreased in the number of individuals that fall a year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so go all healthcare providers um and older adults who work on their falls. Um, yeah. but yeah, insurances care about money. So we need PTs and healthcare providers who can do cost analyses, which is not my cup of tea. No. But I know people that love all those analyses and exactly. I greatly appreciate them.
0: Yep. Yeah. No, I uh feel free to outsource that stuff, you know, thank you. Thank you. It's like pediatrics, like thank goodness for the pediatric therapist yeah. in the nation. Cause that ain't me, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, Mariana, thank you again so much for your time and for coming on. Where can people find you and reach out to you if they have more questions or want to follow up with you, just see what you're up to these days. Cause you are always up to a lot. So.
1: Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, and people can either email me um, and my email is Mariana at, outlook.com or you can find me on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn. My Twitter handle is elevating EBP because that's what started it all. Um, And you can message me there and I'm happy to connect with anyone and talk about their experience or answer any questions um, or collaborate with people.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll put all those links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Once again, Marianne, absolute pleasure. I can't wait to uh, work with you more in the future.
1: Thank you. It's a great pleasure and have a great day.